I'm Alexander Hefner, your host on The Open Mind. I'm honored to welcome Jared Yates Sexton to our broadcast. He is the author of the forthcoming American Rule, How a Nation Conquered the World But Failed Its People. He is professor at Georgia Southern University in the Department of Writing and Linguistics. It's an honor to have you on, Jared. Hey, it's so good to be here. Jared, your book features on the cover an upside-down flag. Um, there is high peak for uh, American betrayal. Uh, you pick the word that is correct in describing how America has failed its citizens. Um, that is the, the thesis that you're pursuing. Um, but how long have we been failing our citizens? Well, that's a really complicated question. Um, the, the book itself, American Rule, begins with the founding of America. And it, it goes back throughout American history and sort of looks at a lot of the mythology that has, uh, you know, sort of defined the story of America and how we look at it and how we perceive ourselves. And of course, the mythological idea of America is that it began as this sort of wellspring of freedom and democracy, when in fact, when you go back to the very beginning, you find it was a uh, a founding that was based on making sure that white, wealthy, uh, slaveholding men uh, controlled the country and, you know, necessarily kept poorer people and women and slaves in order. So from the very beginning, this country has unfortunately uh, let down its citizens and hasn't lived up to its aspirational uh, principles of freedom and liberty and democracy. Um, there have been times, of course, where we've done better and moments, of course, that I think should be celebrated in American history when the American people in particular uh, were able to bring America closer to those principles. But what we're seeing now in particular is sort of a fruition of, of of a project that has not lived up to its principles from the very beginning. I think this, this resurgence of Black Lives Matter and the increasing public and popular support for it is owning the exceptional part of our history, both the positive and the negative, and perhaps a coming to terms with the entire body of our, of our history I know you're not too sanguine on the, the outlook at this present moment, uh, speaking in summer of 2020, but the potential to, um, to chart a new course from the moment we're at now, what would you assess the potential to be? Are you, are you more hopeful that because of this, new reckoning, we have the potential to change so that we're exceptional in, in the ways we want to be and not in the ways we have been. I think you just put your finger right on it. I'm actually both incredibly hopeful and incredibly worried. I mean, as we're speaking right now, of course, uh, Donald Trump and his administration is starting to dispatch federal troops to cities around the country uh, in a flagrantly illegal, uh, illegal power grab. Um, this is a frightening thing. And the, the idea that this could happen in America uh, is, is really unfortunate and very worrying. But what I found looking through American history is that there's a pendulum of power that swings back and forth between what you would call the, the, the powerful or the wealthy and then the, the regular sort of democratic uh, uh, swells of, of solidarity that when Americans come together and they get in the streets and they challenge things, 
they win. And, and you see this pendulum go back and forth in time. So I'm really hopeful that we might be in one of those moments of that pendulum swinging, because exactly what you said, we're starting to deal not just with our present, but with our history, which has been a mythology that has guarded a lot of these uh, powers and a lot of these uh, things that have held us back. That mythology, unfortunately, is, is what you find with things like Make America Great Again and with people wanting to put up Confederate statues and lionize slaveholding individuals. Um, the idea that we are starting to face that and starting to unwind that and topple that mythology, I think is incredibly hopeful. So it's a very mixed bag because when you see that moment of the pendulum beginning to swing, America has unfortunately had these moments of um, loss of life and blood spilled. And you, you have the wealthy and the powerful who start to fight back when they feel that their power might be endangered. So it's, it's a very um, uh, fluid situation, but I, I, I remain really hopeful that something might be changing. You, you do sound hopeful in, in even acknowledging the deficits right now and the detrimental developments in corrupting our government. Uh, if you follow Jared on Twitter, you'll see he's engaged in some really powerful threads, uh, which I'm sure he expounds on in the book. Um, and, and that is on the potential for authoritarianism to be exacerbated to the point that it it handicaps or paralyzes our electoral process this fall so that we can't journey to the to the place that we're describing um, I mean these next couple of months are going to be really crucial and I don't know if there's a way for those of us observing it on Twitter or in the flesh to really account in the fulsome way we need to for just how much our institutions are being corrupted because our elections are run by states and municipalities. There are a lot of external factors, the deployment of federal authorities in some extrajudicial illicit manner, um, to, to uh, counteract protesters at night in Portland is, is you know, one thing at one scale. But if you take a scope and amplify it and think about the idea of a presence like that in American cities uh, during the daytime when folks are voting early or preparing to register and then ultimately vote on election day, you get a lot more frightening scenarios. So I'm just wondering, Jared, how, how can we, to the best of our ability, account for the corrupting of our institutions leading up to election day? Well, that, that is, that, that's the big question. Because we have to take a look at the fact that we can have a total corruption of the system. Uh, going back to that, that mythology that I was talking about, it, it's the idea of American exceptionalism. The idea that America is somehow or another set aside, uh, many believe by you know, an almighty power or some sort of destiny that we have. And because of this idea of American exceptionalism, people believe that things like this can't happen here. And, and, and actually it gives a lot of cover to authoritarians. Uh, it gives a lot of uh, power and cover to neo-fascist and anti-democratic uh, individuals. Uh, what we have to realize is both that there is a potential 
for our elections to be corrupted, as we have already seen. And for years now, we've actually seen people disenfranchised. We've seen lines uh, made intentionally longer. We've seen polling places closed and compromised. Um, and, and, and to realize that this has been a project that has been happening for a long time, a corruption that has been going for a long time. And I try and remind people, um, you know, a lot of people now are critics of, of Donald Trump, but we need to remember that Donald Trump isn't the disease, he's a symptom. And in a country that worked correctly or in a healthy country. I, I don't believe an individual like this could have been elected president. And I do not believe that a project like this could have been successful in any way. So we have to take a look at the past, realize where this uh, corruption of the process has taken place, but also be vigilant and not just rest on our laurels, believing that we'll always have free and fair elections and that democracy will always win out because certainly we've seen it interfered with, we've seen it corrupted, and we need to be ready and vigilant for when it could possibly happen again because I, I truly do believe that an individual like this and a project like this, um, it's very hard to get rid of an individual like Donald Trump in terms of when they come into power. It's very hard. Uh, I mean, he has already said on, on record multiple times that he won't promise that he will necessarily accept the election results, which tells you everything that you need to know there. But we need to not just be, um, unfortunately, uh, confident that, that this thing might actually play out in a free and fair way. And I, and I think we just have to be very vigilant of how the lead up to the election goes and how the election goes. And we have to be ready to um, assert our, uh, our liberties and, and be able to uh, come together and say that we will not accept an election that is not free and fair. I think the rub, Jared, is when a public doesn't realize it's being deceived and that the election it has the perception of being free and fair, but in fact, the result is either tainted, manipulated, or just plain made up. And, you know, we're, we're not at that stage at least in the body politics consciousness around our politics. But it could very well be that this 2020 election, if it's not governed in, in a way that is uh, lawful and competent, you know, that this is our slipping into a regressive form of government. Um, that is that is no longer established as democracy. And again, I just come back to that point of not feeling as though the country is prepared to avert that reality or accept the reality. Yeah, and, and I think one of the things, and this goes back to the myth of American exceptionalism, um, unfortunately, America has been engaged in a lot of uh, what you would call managed democracy around the world. We have, of course, interfered in other countries' elections. Uh, we've overthrown democratically elected leaders. Um, we've funded uh, campaigns and uh, movements in other countries, propaganda, misinformation. What we're watching now in this country is... We're, we're watching our old tactics be used against 
us. And it's really hard, I believe, for Americans to accept that those tactics could be used on us and be success be successful. And that, that isn't just necessarily with Russian interference in the 2016 election or continued interference from foreigners. Uh, it, it is a situation where we, we are watching in this country a president who has shredded every norm that we could have imagined. And we keep looking for some institution to stop him, whether or not it's Congress or whether or not it's someone like a Robert Mueller, or we, we keep waiting on someone to say no. But unfortunately, things like constitutions and laws and norms are only as strong as our ability to protect them and our, our ability to enforce them. And when bad faith actors start working against that, Unfortunately, our, our belief in American exceptionalism and that something like this could not happen in America um, gives these people room to operate. And, and that's one of the more frightening things is that we've watched one democratic institution after another fall during this presidency, and we keep expecting for it to just finally stop and for the moral arc of the universe to bend towards justice or freedom. And unfortunately, um, when the public does not come up against that or when people don't stand up against those people who are acting in bad faith, um, those democratic institutions keep falling. It's certainly disturbing. To the question about the public perception, when we had instances of dispute, like in 2000, or contested elections where it got thrown to the House, um, you know, there was a process in place to kind of understand the undemocratic or anti-democratic outcomes. In 2016, you had three states where third-party candidates, one in particular, boosted by the Russians, um, resulted in, in Donald Trump's victories in Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania. Um, so we understand now, thanks to your work and Sarah Kenzior and, and Kathleen Hall Jameson, um, the reality of that. But I'm really talking about internal malfeasance, um, not so much China or Russia's hijacking of November, but we have institutions like the post office with mail-in voting that is susceptible to intrusion. We have, you know, local and state boards of election that had been purging voters. So we have this whole arsenal of disenfranchisement. And I'm wondering if we even know if we can even know if we'll have a fair election. Uh, and, if, and if only it's because there's a huge popular uprising um, against Trump and in support of, of the alternative, which is Joe Biden, that we will see it as a fair election. I don't know, short of a strong commanding Biden victory, if anyone um, who is in the po popular vote, if you will, will view it as a, as a fair and free election. And I just wonder how you think about that, Jared. Well, the real fear that I have is it really does not matter how many votes that Joe Biden might possibly beat Donald Trump by or how many states he might possibly win. Um, you might remember following the 2016 election, Donald Trump had lost by a certain number of million of votes, I believe 3 million votes. And immediately, even though he won through the Electoral College, started throwing around these conspiracy theories that there were 3 million illegal voters in California alone. Um, th this is going to be a situation where I find it really hard to believe that Donald Trump will accept 
any result that possibly happens. Um, I, I keep pointing back to 2012 and this bizarre moment where after Barack Obama had beaten Mitt Romney soundly, and of course Donald Trump was not necessarily a big fan of Mitt Romney, he actually got on Twitter and called for his uh, followers to march on Washington and, and declare a revolution. And of course, Donald Trump does not care about Mitt Romney more than he cares about Donald Trump. So I, I'm really hesitant to believe that he will accept any sort of an electoral outcome. And certainly his followers, the, the really true diehards, I, I, I think no matter what happens with this election, even if it is just a complete blowout victory by Joe Biden, they're still going to believe that the country has been taken over by traitors and the deep state. So I, I, I really- I hear you, Jared, but, but I guess- as we're discussing this, we're still assuming that there can be something that is deemed a legitimate election result, you know, in a country where we were held hostage by foreign interference in 16, there have been purges, accusations of uh, foreign powers manipulating the roles. uh, And, you know, now a USPS, which is under the auspices of the federal government. And so I'm just you know, I, I guess it, it will depend on whether the grass is greener on your side, whether you view the outcome with legitimacy. But what, I mean, won't you be looking in these weeks leading to the election and then on election day itself to just see examples of any ostensible corruption and then sort of formulate an opinion about the legitimacy of the of the result after that? Because with 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 Barr and everything we've seen, from the, from the other perspective, not just Trump's perspective, from sort of the historically sound and pro-democracy perspective, it's not clear we're going to have a fair election either. No, and I live in the state of Georgia, where a lot of Georgians feel as if the last gubernatorial election uh, between Kemp and, of course, Stacey Abrams uh, was actually stolen by by Kemp, who was secretary of the state at the time and overseeing the election himself and had purged unbelievable amounts of African-Americans off the voter rolls. So, no, I, I do not have a lot of faith going into this that we're going to necessarily see also particularly during a pandemic. I mean, we still have the hard work of figuring out how much of this is going to be uh, voting by mail or absentee ballots um, and whether or not it will actually be safe for people to go into these polling places. So I do not have a lot of confidence in this election being neat or tidy or even a confidence building election. I, I, I think this is something that we should be talking about now instead of waiting until October. I, b- I believe we probably should have started talking about this from the moment that the pandemic became a political issue. We, we have on the open mind, and I know you have on Twitter, and, and there are certain folks in the media who've long warned about autocracy, authoritarianism. It is happening here, not it can happen here. And, and you speak quite eloquently and profoundly about that on Twitter. But just as a, as a closing question, you know, in your, in your book grapples historically with the evaluation of, of democratic norms and sort of the reevaluation of those norms in assessing that question about whether America has failed its, its people, her people. Um, but, you know, to your mind, are we on the cusp of becoming that country that is impervious to or apathetic of the 
outcome and, and, and not really doing the due diligence or scrutiny, I'm thinking about two examples in recent world history where major countries, um, Mexico and, and, and Russia, uh, had elections that were contested and, and in, in, you know, in, in one case, you know, the, the result was uh, a president who won by a mechanically engineered outcome that was sort of later discovered and reported on um, by a, a big technical fluke. You can watch the latest season of Narcos to see the popularization of that. And then in, in Russia, of course, where, you know, you, you have elections where, you know, the, they, they're going to vote on, on update the constitution. And, and then you, you see, you know, it's, it's not a real election. And, and I'm just wondering, in, in, are we, are we on a trajectory to, to sort of devolve into one of those models where the citizenry has lost any control of what is a free and fair election? Unfortunately, the answer is yes. I, I, I think Russia is a very good example. And if you read the documents coming from the Putinist government, the idea that they have is managed democracy, which is this assortment of spectacles and fake movements and fake politicians where you can never tell what is real and you know that your government is lying to you and the government sort of lies to you with a smile on their face and with a wink and a nod. So unfortunately, that breeds apathy. And it, it, it eventually leads to a complicit uh, population that believes that it's not even worth voting anymore. It's not even worth standing up against, uh, you know, the person in power. So I, I believe we are on a trajectory towards that. And we have been for a while, particularly with declining voter rates, and, and you know, uh, a lack of confidence in our institutions and in our leaders. So I, I think that we are on that trajectory. But I feel like people are starting to understand that there's something really dangerous in the foreground. And the fact that they're starting to wake up for that and they're starting to form their own grassroots organizations and they're starting to speak out against this stuff and they're getting in the streets and they're actively protesting. I think that should give us hope. But we do need to understand in order to aid that and power those movements that there is a real danger of this country turning into a managed democracy. Jared Yates Sexton, uh, based in, in Georgia, I'm sure you could testify to suburban households that are thinking about this question of whether we will preserve our democracy. And if, if, they're, if, you're, if they're thinking about 2020 from that lens and not, will the Democrat raise my taxes, then we might have a whole new ball game. I think that's true. I, I, I think that the idea that this might be some sort of a generationally defining moment, and I feel like the pandemic, as tragic as it has been, has given some of this a new sort of tone. And I think that Trump's uh, incapability and unwillingness to actually fight the pandemic or the economic crisis that is burgeoning, I think it's starting to make this feel like this is an existential moment. So I, I, I think that is settling in with people, and that's one of the things that is giving me hope. Jared Yates Sexton is author of the forthcoming American Rule, How a Nation Conquered the World but Failed Its People. Uh, thank you so much for your time today, Jared. Thank you.